If you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. You know, I did uh, manage to catch up on The Flash. So, uh, you know, last week's guest, it was nice to actually watch yes. uh, Dwarf Star. And I, I can say, actually, there, I, I don't, I'm not, I won't say this is a correction. It, it was more just a, oh, because you commented when you looked at the art for the Adam that he first appeared, you said it almost looks like a John Byrne creation. Right. Forgotten that that actually was. John Byrne and Gail Simone did together the first, were the, yeah. were, you know, the co creators of the first six issues, I yeah, think, I think, of Ryan Choi. And I just missed that whole, you know, run. I think I read, like I said, I read the first second, so I totally forgotten that. I think I read it until they weren't the creative team on it, and then I stopped. Yeah, so, yeah, kind of interesting. I, although, I, I guess he showed up on Secret Six uh, somewhere in there. I just don't remember him being in Secret Six. Oh, my God, Six. yeah, I think you're right. I don't know. It's been so... I love that run, love but it's, that. Been so, it's yeah. been so long. So She's one of those writers that... It doesn't matter what she's writing. You got to at least give it a shot because there's going to be something interesting in that. Yeah. And uh, so, anyway, hey, I think this is good. We can just begin. Uh, this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on Super Bowl Sunday, February fourth. This is us doing this instead of watching. This is us. If you don't want to cry, <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> and so goes across for me. Uh, uh, hosting at the Brett Cave. Cheers, Rick Brett Snyder. <laughs> we, by the way, tonight is just cups of coffee. Decaf. <laughs> because we got to sleep tonight. Anyway, we got some uh, comics news, some movie news, some TV news, and obviously it did say Super Bowl Sunday, but of course, if you are listening to We won't Sunday, spoil the Super Bowl Sunday for anybody who's got it on their TiVo. Does, <laughs> you know, that's a really good question. At this point- well, there, are people who, there are people who do can sporting they stay, events. Can they it. stay in radio silence like that? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm when I'm here in the morning and afternoon by myself. I don't turn on the TV or the radio or anything, so I don't know anything until when nothing comes on the internet. I clearly need to rethink my entire internet strategy. I close out Facebook for long periods of time, and I go on and I'll say I'm going to do 20 minutes, and then I shut it down and I go back. Okay, to then you know what I'm just going to go into right now is, of course, uh, I'm going to lead with the email address because here's my request. If you want to contact us, questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. If you have some sort of Facebook methadone, yes. because I think I might be addicted mm. and I don't mean to be. I think it's just because I am so concerned about, hey, well, how, how are our stats doing? You know, how's Fanboy Planet doing? But I, I think I check way too much. I think I need to really wean myself off the habit. That's not our topic tonight. But, you know, if anybody's got some suggestions. The first thing to do is to turn off all notifications. 
You know, I just did that actually this yes. morning. So uh, I think that's that's absolutely tr- true too. But I don't I don't know that it's so convenient on an app. Uh, so anyway, and of course, the other thing we'd say with that email address is if you'd like to help defray the cost, you can uh, donate on on PayPal. I'm going in reverse order. Or hey, if you want to shop on ThinkGeek.com, and we have a, a search box on the or we have an ad box on the side, and occasionally products that we that uh, we focus on. In articles, uh, you can go there. And we uh, you click uh, that box. It takes we have you an there affiliation, and you do us good deal. And we get a little bit back. And if there's any uh, anything we talk about on the podcast tonight, book, movie, TV, DVD wise, you know, physical media, because we still believe in physical media, and the Brett Cave is a testimony to, to that physical media. <laughs> Here's the physical media. There's all the physical media stacked over there. That's right. (laughs) But anyway, if uh, there's something that we talk about that you cannot find at your local brick-and-mortar store, by all means, use the Amazon box that's on the side at fanboyplanet.com. And when you search through that and make purchases, then we do get a small uh, remuneration as well. And that's it. Let's go into Super Bowl. It is Super Bowl Sunday, which means that we have gotten finally. We're not going to spoil who won, though. I've forgotten already because I, you know, I, I, I don't mean to be dismissive. You know, it's earlier today I, I had to make this defense of sports. Ball. And the reason why is I actually saw somebody say, like, you know, this is insensitive to mock sports fans because it's just as bad as them sports mocking. Ball. that yeah, yeah, saying sports ball uh, is just as bad as them making fun of you all those years for reading comics or liking sci-fi. Well, now they get sensitive. No, no, it was somebody I, I think more in the in the fandom community. Sure, and I thought the whole thing is like to me, it's self-deprecatory. Like I'm mocking that I don't know. Right. I, I watch if I watch one football game a year, it's the Super Bowl, right. and I totally admit it's if I am invited to a party and I'm paying attention to the commercials. It's exactly the same thing as when one of those guys calls it Trek Wars. Uh, you know, I'm not, but I'm not hurt by that. You know, that's a, and I'm not saying it's that anybody necessarily was. Stuff. But I'm also, well, you know, I'm also then seeing, you know, it's like, oh gosh, I told you, 2017, the year I am tired of fandom officially, yes. because I'm seeing people go, you're not the first one to come up with a sports ball joke, and I'm like, no, it, it, do you uh, have to be? First? Never mind. Uh, no, I don't, and it's like, but I get it. Sometimes jokes get tired. It is a joke that is tired. It is just like, you know. Whatever. The point is that I pay attention to the Super Bowl because that's when the movie trailers uh, come out. And Indeed. and this year. It's the uh, one show where I fast forward through the show to get to the commercials. And we want. And today we saw finally now a teaser for the trailer. Yes. For Solo. Finally, at last. Yes. A little bit of uh, uh, looking at the footage of Solo. Uh, I watched it on my cell phone. It looked interestingly light. You know, the whole, uh, all the scenes, it didn't look as dark and gritty, and it didn't look as, I mean, it's going to be, you know, like, it sounds like he's trying to get a job as a f- pilot with the Empire at the beginning, right? Yeah, which and, actually, if you go to Brian Daly's Han Solo trilogy, that that was the implication that was that he had been part of the Empire uh-huh. at one point. So as a younger man, so maybe uh, as you know, Drew Campbell pointed out, there's a droid that gets its little sweetheart shot, and he says that bollocks, which would be the, one of the droids that he had in the Brian Daly trilogy uh-huh. that that went through all the way. So you know, this is somebody asked me about about that. Like is, I can't remember who 
which character they were saying, well, that's not canon. I mean, my joke with Michelle Saman is we are going to get you back into canon. You are going it's to. It's not canon until it's made canon again. But they t- they are taking what. Right. Thrawn, for example. Thrawn is back. Yeah. They take what what fans really liked. And, yeah. and we've said this before. The Han Solo trilogy, the first one, because there's a Corellian trilogy. There's, there's there were three, several Han Solo books. No, yeah, there or were several Han yeah. Solo novels after. But Brian Daly's original one back when there really wasn't that much tie-in fiction. Right. Um, that was fun. Mm-hmm. It was exactly what you'd want out of reading a Han Solo story. So if there are pieces of that that make sense, it's just like every – I see how many people want BD-1 and uh, – am I getting their names right? Triple Zero from Dr. Right, Afra to show up in a movie because they're just fun characters and the ones that are hitting with fandom. And I don't have a problem with that. I didn't read all the novels, but if there was somebody in control at LucasArts or Lucasfilm – who had to keep all that straight, uh-huh. it's like a comic book universe. It got so complicated for what was supposed to be a single-family saga right. that, yeah, Disney had to invest in Nobody would have come in. If you came back with those trilogies and you you had 40 years of an expanded continuity that included video games, that included all, all these, right. like, as much as I've loved them, like I would love. Come on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do a solo film. We've talked. I think we've talked about this. Do a solo film where Prince Sizer shows up, the Black Sun. Yeah, that's interesting. It's different. I'd love to see that. Yeah, but I accept that Prince Sizer is not continuity. Is not canon unless he uh, unless they decide that he fits in what they want to do now. Right. Plenty of room for that. Right. We shall see. But. We did see, but it just was only the teaser for the trailer, which drives me nuts. <laughs> I'm tired of these, get everybody excited to watch 10 seconds. Well, this in this case, it was for about 45 seconds of footage. Yeah, maybe. Uh, that Let's watch 45 seconds of footage to get you to tune into the internet tomorrow, pro- actually probably on Good Morning America, which is ABC, a Disney-owned network. Right. So you can take it off of NBC and give ABC the ratings to show a two-minute trailer for Solo. Just give it to me. Or d- don't on the Super Bowl. I'm fine. And the next day, launch launch Solo because everybody talks about it's all very the Very clever how they're, they're hiding his face in through most of that commercial. The uh, the shot between the, the the Venetian blind shot and then the, the back of the head back of the head, um, but a full on shot of Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian that was awesome and I'm sure we've said it before that guy has got charisma for light years yeah he isn't even moving I love Donald Glover so much that I want and I've said this for for months too I want a Lando Calrissian prequel story i'm fine with that i I just because there really wasn't enough of lando to have given us although i think he might have shown up in some of the animated series but uh or i could be confusing with i've watched a lot of the lego ones and i know it's (laughs) that uh so lego's not canon anymore uh, no, they've been doing them. I, know, I, know. I can't remember what they're call, what they're calling them, but they're they're funny. I yeah. still yeah. you know so, but so we've seen our Maybe first. Maybe was on Robot Chicken. You know he's done it. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Billy D. Williams has voiced wherever. He even did the voice in the Lego Movie when Lando showed up. Ah. So he's there everywhere he can possibly be. And it's funny that he's both. I think that means he was both Lando Calrissian in the Lego Movie and he was Two Face in the Lego Batman Movie. 
So he finally got his uh, shot as Two-Face there. He's got a lot of flexibility. He does. He does. And a great actor. So let's move to the other. There was a new Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. All new scenes. And some pretty awesome stuff. I mean, seeing Doctor Strange with his hands all aglow and then the new... It does sound like a See Doctor Christmas. Strange with his hands all aglow as Iron Man flies by. <laughs> <laughs> but Iron Man in the new sleeker, more post, um, what was the the big event where they, they, they made his costume all like very seamless looking. And it was, it was, it was one of the ones where they were introducing a whole bunch of new characters. I did the animated GIF of the characters flipping back and forth. Remember that event? Anyway, uh, it, it was one of the one of the costume one of the armor redesigns that that was really, really sports car like, and it looks like they've gone with that for this this film. And you get the Tony Stark walking along intensely, taking his glasses off. Right, uh, Aaron I, Sorkin did a little ghost writing <laughs> to make sure there was a walk and talk. I don't, I don't know. I and, just think it's interesting because. It was sort of revealed this week, and we'll come back to kind of talk about Black Panther, but how basically Chadwick Boseman had had to lie. Like there, there's, there's some interesting for those who like the behind the scenes about how they had to coordinate Wakanda in Black Panther and Avengers: Infinity War because they were filming simultaneously. Uh-huh. But both teams had to lie. Oh, because they weren't acknowledging that Black Panther was going to. Uh, that, they didn't want anybody to know that Wakanda was going to be key in the in Infinity, Infinity Wars War. until they you know released that trailer where it was very clear that Wakanda is very crucial to it. Yeah. And why not? We'll come back to Black Panther, but it was exciting to see a new a new trailer, which really highlighted <laughs> it's another the characters you love. Make sure there's a there's an adolescent Groot so that everybody goes, Yay, Groot's yes, in yes. this and Peter Parker holding on to the side of a well, I mean, that, that was the point for those sports fans, and I'm not mocking here, but for those people that were not aware right. that uh, Avengers Infinity War was going to have everybody, yeah. there it is. Make sure you know. Guardians of the Galaxy are in this. That Thor, Spider-Man is in this. Hulk. Everybody's Everybody. showing it. Um, yeah. The, the, the thing that I've been noticing, they've been really big about showing Thanos – but not so much the Black Sun characters. I think those are going to be the, the ones who are going to be Black Sun or Black Watch? I think it's Black Sun. Black Sun's from Star it's, Wars. It's a, um, uh, I don't know because I know... It may be I, Black Watch. It, it was I, from Infinity. It's Black, I know that. not Black Swan. What's no, the, Black Swan was a character in, in the Black uh, Watch. Yeah. Right, and Corvus Glaive. Yeah, which we know at D23. They had we the figures. We had the, they had the sculptures of them, but yeah. yes. I would suspect that, I, while I don't know, and they haven't really talked it up, is I think Peter Dinklage must be one of them. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No question. I, I still was kind of hoping for Pip the Troll, but I, I don't think they're ready to tip that. Unless, although, you know, the other thing is, they have not actually, since they announced that casting, uh-huh. there has been nothing about Peter Dinklage's participation in Infinity War, but it might be in, in Part 4 or Part 2. The whatever, second half whatever of, the, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, st- I don't even know if they're considering it a second half so much. That as would be really Infinity cool. War wraps up, and then something else, and then they do another out. one, and they bring in the whole Adam Warlock crew. I, I don't know. 
I mean, one of those cases where I can freely say I have no freaking clue what's supposed to happen in the fourth one. No. But it's awesome. And realizing, yes. So he said there was uh, Dwayne, The Rock, Johnson, and Skyscraper. Skyscraper. Look, just make Doc Savage before you make your presidential run. I kind of like this one because he is is a wounded warrior character because he's he's got an, uh, an artificial leg. In this, and I think that's that's kind of that's a nice way to to go at action adventure nowadays is get bring people into it that you know he's got to overcome some stuff his his own physical limitations in this adventure. There's some pretty interesting scenes in there too, but they do have the uh, the leap of faith off of one building to another that uh, yeah physics. Well, you know that's fine. I. I see what you, what you just said. That's interesting. What I've seen of it, I didn't see the trailer. I but I was not particularly these generic action films, especially with him, where he's attached to so many franchises yeah. that I'd rather see. That's what I want. Like I guess I'm not kidding. Look, make the Doc Savage movie. He's supposed to be doing Jungle Cruise. Do Jungle Cruise. I, I don't need to see. Right. This. So. Well, this is this again. But I didn't see San Andreas either. So, but watching watching the first like ten fifteen seconds ago, I'm thinking oh, they're going to remake Die Hard because it so looked like Die Hard from the standpoint. I of, think he's like vaguely he's vaguely going through the seventies disasters. So we did San Andreas. Uh, that was earthquake. Right. Right. So <laughs> skyscraper was like oh towering inferno without and the fire, hard. you know. So yeah, what have you. Was there any other uh, film? Sure. I mean, there was Jurassic Park uh, Fallen Kingdom. Okay. And that, uh, you know, Chris Pratt all over the place. Uh, it's it's It really just looks like a lot of outtakes from the previous movies. Well, at to this me, point. Jurassic Park falls under, oh, I know I will see it. Yes. No, I'm not particularly enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be another touching scene with him and a dinosaur, you know. His, right. His, his, his... I mean, I'll make that, I'll, I'll say my unpopular opinion is that, it was a franchise that I've always enjoyed, but never felt like, oh, I'm super excited about right, the next one. Right, right. I, the, I, there are people who love it, absolutely. And the I first don't. two, I know I've seen each one about six times. Everyone since then, usually just once, maybe twice. I think I saw Jurassic World twice because I think I went once and then I took took. One. I, I'm counting on TV too. I'm mm-hmm. like, um, Cloverfield Paradox. Well, but that's not a movie trailer. It's, it's a Netflix but it's trailer. A trailer so we'll it's talk. a Super Bowl trailer. Yes, that's true. Okay. So, um, and again, that just looked like it had a bunch of scenes from No, we'll talk, we'll talk about that again when it comes to TV. So. And then uh, the last one that I have written down here is Mission Impossible Fallout, which does show the scene, the finished scene, <laughs> that... Um, of Henry Cavill's mustache? No, no, no. <laughs> That Tom Cruise did when he broke Both, his leg. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the film that infamously is why in Justice League, Henry Cavill has uh, a uh, CGI'd a upper must, lip. Yeah. That, that, that he's, he has something wrong with his mouth. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's Listerine kryptonite. Took him out. I don't know. Blue. I don't know what it was. So that leads us into comics, shall we? Uh, we 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 should. We should. We should. Which is that uh, this week, DC announced, and I forgot to mention the second thing that Bendis will be involved in, there's going to be a Man of Steel miniseries. So Brian Michael Bendis, right. what we mentioned last in the last podcast, that he'll be writing a story in Action Comics 1000. 
The trunks are back. We mentioned that. That's exciting. And now what they announced this week. <laughs> Every time you say that, I think, elephant? No. no. Well, then get your – no, that does, doesn't make sense. Get your mind out of the, out of the elephant. Elephant, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that he – they're giving him a six-issue miniseries that will be weekly. So each issue will have a different artist uh, uh, called Man of Steel, which as you and I were talking at dinner – this harkens back to John Byrne in 1985 or 1986, post Christ Sunday Earth. Yeah, John Byrne came from Marvel. This is this is, I'm going to say, history repeating itself in comics. John Byrne was insanely popular at Marvel. The run on X Men. Yep. The run on Fantastic Four. And I've had some people say, well, you know, he really shouldn't write comics. I say, then you did not read his Fantastic Four run, which was amazing. Yes. And was exciting. And then DC made him an offer he didn't want to refuse. I think the real thing is, no matter how much people love characters at Marvel, Uh everybody's got a Superman idea. Every artist. Mm -hmm. You know... Every and it just is also many that I've talked to. They all have Captain Mar- Shazam ideas, uh-huh. and so there are just characters that get in your soul. And so the big gun, a big gun like Bendis coming over, he's gonna want to take his crack at Superman. Yeah, the thing that I am somewhat jaundiced about is that you're giving him another miniseries. It's it almost feels like another reboot. He promises another reboot, but the one thing DC that you're doing right is exactly what you did right. I don't know why I'm gesticulating wildly. Like anybody can see me doing this. I keep looking where you're pointing. I know. Well, look over there. He's right there. Superman. Grant Morrison would say that's true. That they are suspending publication of Action and Superman while the Man of Steel miniseries is going on. Isn't that what they did when Byrne took That is exactly to? what they did. So I'm saying that is the right thing to do because – But when Byrne did it, it was coming out of crisis. You had the melding of a number of Superman from different Earths, and they redefined what he Superman redefined was what Super- in that Absolutely. They, that's why it was a miniseries So it's too. not – it's not an – what Bendis is claiming he's going to do is not an origin story. Mm-hmm. It's just a kind of a new high points. At some point, and we don't have time to do this now, is I think it would it would be fun to compare, like how many revisitations shall we say of Superman's origin, origin. that have stuck have been like I wouldn't count Earth One. The, the Earth One graphic novels, right. as much as I love them, I think they're really well done and very different. But they exist concurrently with the regular DC books. But you realize that Superman, uh, Mark Wade got his shot with Superman Birthright, which is one of my favorite retellings of it. Uh, and that's just in the 21st century alone. You had Superman Birthright. You had Jeff Johns and Gary Frank take on Superman Secret Origins. Right. Or Secret Origin, which was a great miniseries, too. I, I love – I don't mind the revisits as long as it's, like, a, not a massive thing. And, and, and as much as I dislike, say, Max Landis potentially as a person, I don't know that. I shouldn't say that. Like, I don't know him. But um, I have found his online persona to be somewhat obnoxious. I will stand by. Get the trade paperback of Superman American Alien because – Although it doesn't fit in any continuity that I would understand, I would still count it as an interesting revisitation. So to hear Bendis' point of view of maybe high points in Superman's career 
which maybe does need a clarification as much as I've really enjoyed what like Dan Jurgens and Peter Tomasi are doing with Superman right now. Oh yeah. Once you've had that Superman reborn where you've actually merged two Superman, it's odd. And so maybe it does need a, let's just take a quick look and tell me exactly what do we think did happen in Superman's past that everybody's supposed to know. Well, about. they just did it. I, I mean, I'm catching up on Superman right now, but they did coming out of one of the, miniseries that they had for a while they did a you know this is the this the is Superman yeah, don't. re-understanding his he gets to go back to into the memory of himself yes I read Krypton. some you're right Krypton. I read you sounded very uh, that, was, that was very uh, Terrence Stampish yes Krypton Krypton um, my favorite Superman origin story is always going to be the two pages in All-Star Superman well well, it's there's another the one that says ever. an odd thing. We don't count it as an origin or as like a, a, a reboot, but All-Star Superman really is. Yeah. It, it's it, it's just looking at the high points from the end of his life. and But it starts off with the, uh, yes. the desperate scientists, you know. Right, the, and that's – so I, I, I'm all, you know, for that. And somebody uh, tweeted to Bendis this week and said, you know, maybe now we get to do that Batman Daredevil crossover that you want <laughs> to do. And he said, no, he says, my run on Daredevil. I, I'm, I'm sure he's kidding, but this, this if he pulls it off, it is brilliant. He says, my run on Daredevil is half of the crossover. Ooh. Now I'm going to write Batman, and it's up to you to figure out how they crossed over. <laughs> wow. And if he actually pulls that off, I don't know if he will. If it's he like was just national kidding, treasure. That would be brilliant. <laughs> He's all they're also doing a series called DC Nation, which will kind of give a state of the union now after oh. we've had our rebirth. One of the things being like uh they did leak that one of the events would be the Joker discovers that Batman and Catwoman are engaged. Huh. What does that do? To the Joker. I think Bendis is contributing. I'm not sure Bendis is writing the whole thing, but he's contributing to that. We've speculated for a few weeks, or since it was announced, like, what would Bendis be doing? I'm happy with this. I'd still like to see Bendis get his little corner, some new DC character, or something some obscure. Brand new in the DC universe. Something brand new, like yeah. Jessica Jones was yeah, yeah. a great fit for Marvel. What would fit with DC? We'll see. My ultimate thing coming out of this is I'm still super excited. And when we see Bendis, who I guess, I, I don't think he's relocated to Los Angeles, but it's easier than, say, working for Marvel, now his kids are older, to go down to Los Angeles. And that's the other interesting thing is the writers, some of the writers at least, actually have offices in Burbank. Really? And Scott Snyder had posted a huh. photo of like, oh, I have this the, this office. I and, found an office today. It's yeah, mine. <laughs> and it has his name on it. Yeah. And so I think that's interesting. It'd be funny if it's just a, the door doesn't actually, it's just painted. No, on no, it was real. <laughs> Look, and, you you've know. got an office. Let's go to an office. And, and I am jealous that he, that uh, they, as a welcome gift, somebody in the DC offices gave him, gave Bendis uh, a bat phone, the hotline. So, you know, the single button. We just saw the real one at Batman 66 right. at, at the Hollywood Museum. I'm like, oh, I no. thought you were going to say they gave him the Clark Kent statue from the. Uh, no, though that would be nice too. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, so uh, DC announced just today they're actually going to do new two new imprints. So this is going to be a DC heavy week because that's just like where I saw the news of, of what's interesting. They're doing graphic novels, DC Zoom for middle school, 
readers and DC Inc. for young adult. So these are YA. new new graphic new novels that will not be in continuity, but using oh, characters that okay. you know. So uh, it will it will mostly be filled with existing popular novels. So there's Lori House Anderson, Melissa De La Cruz, Ridley per- Pearson. I do recognize that. That's who wrote uh, Kingdom Keepers and Peter and the Starcatcher with oh, uh, uh-huh. with Dave Barry. He's. A, I could see him being really good for Zoom. And it turns out for the middle school, he's really a good writer for the middle school audience. I can speak to that. He's writing a Super Sons book, and uh, they're going, also good for a middle school. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I like the price point of this, honestly, and I think this is the future. I've said this before, and we'll get to it when we go to what's in the bag a little bit. Zoom graphic novels will be 128 pages. They'll be 9.99 as a price point. Kids are expecting that. That's reasonable. And if you do it in graphic novels, there it is. Ink is 192 pages for sixteen ninety nine. That's about right. No. I'm really coming to the point that I feel like this is, they're writing their monthly books this way, that they almost read better as trade paperbacks. Yeah. But they're, they're going to be just be available in standard uh, retail stores. The, well, they'll be available in comic shops. But to, not, it's not like a scholastic thing, direct direct to the schools. Oh, no, I would bet you they, they've got a deal ready okay. with the Scholastic Book Club. Please. Because there's stuff that Scholastic does that's not available in retail, isn't there? No, they're in they're uh, at Barnes they? & Noble. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can get all the Scholastic stuff through Diamond, okay. but you can get, yeah. Now, since neither of us really have kids no. that are still doing the Arrow book clubs and all that stuff, I can't speak 100%, but I know that's why Scholastic got into graphic novels in the first place, Yeah, was that they were offering things through through their book clubs. So I think, I'm sure the DC, speculation, that DC has a deal ready to go. To with- the, some, I mean, you want them in the schools. There, yeah. there it is. I'm all that. So... Uh, there's a Harley Quinn graphic novel for DC Zoom. There's going to be a Mira. And the reason, and this is interesting, I, I do love this. Superman smashes the Klan, so an update of the radio series. And there's supposed wow. to be a movie coming about that story about how the radio show of Superman actually kind of brought the Ku Klux Klan into the spotlight and did a lot to help the FBI. Gene Luen Yang, who we love from uh-huh. San Jose, yeah. uh, is doing that. And then there's a DC Zoom book, which will be Superhero Girls, which they've they've had uh, a few Superhero Girls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, there it is. The first one will be DC Superhero Girls, Search for Atlantis by Shay Fontana and Yancey Labatt. I know that Shay has been doing the Superhero Girls graphic novels already. Right. Was there an Aqua Girl at any time? There's Aqua Lad, but... Yeah, there's an Aqua... Tula. Tula? She was killed in Crisis on Infinite Earths, but I think Uh, she's back. I think she's back in continuity. If you and so this is interesting because uh, DC Vice President Michelle Wells said this is they're going for characters like Mira and and Harley Quinn because there's a swing on the side of female readers. So this I could not agree with more. I think we still have to say Mira from Aquaman. I I, I know she's much more prominent, but I think a lot of people don't know. I think once the movie opens, they'll all be they. I think, well, I agree. With and you. if you saw Justice League. Yes. There, she's in Justice League. She's in Justice League for a couple minutes. Yeah. Apparently, there was more of that. We, sh- we shall see. But okay. I think it's going to be, they're going to be targeting uh, a largely female audience. But, you know, here's the thing. I don't think that's even a fair characterization anymore. 
I think that this next generation female audience. Well, I, I think that this that this next generation of readers. I think boys are being raised to not care as much as they used to, and I say it is high time. I, I think it's. I, I would say care as much versus being self conscious about it. Because, like, if you were, let's say, if you were when you were in high school, if you were reading a Nancy Drew book. That would have probably drawn well, some attention from uh, alpha I, males. Well, in I school. wasn't reading those books by the time I was in high school, but well, middle school. I, I did. I, I did read Nancy Drew books, and uh-huh. you know, I mean, they were good uh, for whatever age that was when I was reading them. But I, I understand. As always, I could say, hey, disclaimer: I was in the California bubble. Uh, I was a bit of a nerd. Yeah. No matter what I did, I was going to get picked on. So might as well just read what I wanted to read. Right. But, and you know, I, I get it. And I, I'm just saying I, look, I, I just feel anything that appeals to, because my first child was a girl who was interested in comics and just, you know, there was some struggle when she was little. It wasn't as, the industry wasn't as awake right. or aimed at, her but she absolutely had the hunger for it well, it was and a large period when when even the younger um superhero characters were sexualized that the, they were they were well like, and i think sadly even supergirl to some point still is and i'll admit a lot less than it was a lot less than it was but it's it was disturbing and annoying to me yeah when what i was trying what i was hoping for was role models for my daughter at a mm-hmm. time when she really, really wanted to be into superheroes. And there wasn't that much you could show. But, you know, like what there was that she absolutely loved. I think that's one reason Scooby-Doo was so popular because the the really two of the most competent characters in, in that very small right. group are Velma, Daphne, and, Vel- Daphne Velma. and Velma. And they're great role models, you know, although you know, Daphne could probably stand to update her wardrobe a little bit from 1971. But uh, other than that... yeah. So that's what there was, you know, and I'm I'm so thrilled by this this turn in the industry. Yeah. And so I which, you know, came about because let's face it, most I who I was just talking with somebody about uh about Studio Ghibli and saying how I really hadn't ever thought about it, you know, how many of the narratives are female oriented. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah. So they figured that out, and that's why manga, one of the reasons Nasca, manga got so popular, yeah. you know, is those were appealing. Yeah, those those were out there, and they weren't like spinoffs of somebody else. So if you're going to create Mira, say in a great character in her own right, as she should be, because her powers are different. Yep, and in many ways she's more kick-ass than Aquaman, and you know how hard that is for me to say, because no character is more kick-ass than than Aquaman. But he's got better tattoos. Not in the comics. I don't. I. I, I <laughs> You better. They better explain to me why he's all tatted up because I I don't get that one. But anyway, in the movie. But let's let, let's move on. So anyway, I think that's great, and I'm looking forward to checking out, and I will check out Zoom and Ink. Let's go to what's in the bag, shall we? Okay. What's in your bag, Rick? So the first thing out of this week is the annual issue number one of Batman Detective Comics, which is entitled "The Curse of Clayface," and this is um gasp at the gruesome design origin of batman's foulest foe definitely a batman 66 hyperbole That's yeah, nice. yeah 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 so um and you've, you've got clayface who is one of the good guys in the current run of detective but dealing with his 
his issues of fighting back his inner demons or the chemical dependencies or chemical effects mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and we haven't had Clayface defined for us since, I think, that since New 52. I, I don't think the, all the... Or Rebirth. Definitely not since Rebirth. Not since Rebirth. And we had had, um, prior, to, prior to New 52, we had had uh, large runs of things like the Clayfaces, where all of the various variants... And there was of, a Lady Clayface. There was like and there was six this, of them. Yeah. Um, and so far in rebirth we've only seen the one and so the question was which one is this which is the which is this and this this goes a long ways to explaining the origin of the character and does it pretty much insulated from anybody else um of a clay-like material <laughs> except there's one panel in which we see somebody doused in the fluid and we don't they don't get back to that so there may be another Clayface. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but my biggest problem with this it it ends um, it ends kind of really kind of early in his origin, and we don't really get much about his the dichotomy of him of the actor and the monster, and so well. Listen, before when just, they first reintroduced him. As Basil Carlo, because it used to be Matt Hagen, right, was the '60s version, and then there was another one, the one that actually was that more like melted other people. And yeah, wear the containment suit. I can't remember what his what his real name was, but I, the whole Basil Carlo thing was I loved that, and that was in the days when Bruce Wayne was dating Julie Madison, the actress, like 1940, 1941. That was a story that I kept going back to. I think it was in that Batman from the 30s to the 70s book. Uh-huh. When I was young enough and had those books and just read them over and over, over and over again. That was one of my favorite stories because I got that it was about, you know, like I knew who Lon Chaney was and I knew who Boris Karloff was. Right. I was too scared out of my wits to watch those movies when I was little, but I knew who they were. And there's something about that story story and that origin i don't think he appeared again until the 60s i think just that that original clay face was creepy and cool i i still think it's odd that basil carlo is who they gave gave as the identity yeah you could have made matt hagan an actor and who would have known the difference right and you have the introduction of the of the clay thing actually starts with his father okay who during the course of the story dies which is kind of a sp- kind of spontaneously careens him into a series of things okay. that that turns him into Clayface. Well, I'll be interested to read so. it. I I do have it in my stack. I haven't read that yeah. one yet. I'm gonna go up with uh, the first of the New Age of Heroes that I've bought because I think there's only been that other one, that Rampage. Uh, this right, Rampage, yeah. the Silencer, which is by John Romita Jr. and Dan Abnett. And this was probably the one ahead of time that I had the least interest in, but I wanted to check it out. Yeah. And DC has wisely made it only two ninety nine. Yes. This is a series. My only frustration with it being tied into this larger event is it doesn't need to be. You could have launched this character. I get it. You, you do a new age of heroes. You tie them together. I totally get that. And I, I applaud DC for trying to create new heroes that are different mm-hmm. and interesting I'm a little confused by uh, Talia Agul and Leviathan 
are tied into this woman's or this silencer's oh. origin. It is confusing. I feel like that needs a redefinition in the age of of DC Rebirth. Just Talia in general. Uh, or, yeah, because yeah. she seems a lot less psychotic than I the last time I saw her in a comic. Well, she was pretty psychotic through all the Batman and Robin stuff. Right, but yeah. that but that also kind of transitioned to new, you know, went into New Fifty Two yeah. and went into Rebirth, so it's kind of changed. And what came out? But this is interesting. It can stand on its own, and I know that Warner Brothers. Uh, is not maybe they're not thinking this way, and who knows? But if this character gets some traction in comics, this could make a really interesting, without a lot of baggage, a really interesting film. Okay. So as we pointed out, she's a character who is a mom. She has a young child, right? Who is a hit woman? She uh, really good. But what I did not realize is she does have a superpower, which is to create a cone of silence oh. around her kills. Uh, so, or not around her kills necessarily. She can do it around anybody. Like, so she can. She can silently use her weapons. So, so and, here, but she can also, sh- so that nobody hears her kid. Uh, and so it's kind of like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Clever. interesting. It, it's, it, 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 I'm not sure where it's going, but after this first issue, I'm far more intrigued in the possibilities of it than I was from just like a picture of her. It's and quite a, a play on play on words too. The whole silencer. Well, and, give her a new power, yeah. kind of an interesting, almost passive power, but with actual physical skills. Right. I I'm going to give this a pretty hearty recommendation. I'm really interested to see the next issue. Yeah, so, I got to go pick one up because they were out. Yeah, yeah, I know you told me that over it. Uh, hijinks that is not hijinks's fault no they uh, were just shorted i picked mine up at uh oddly my shop elusive comics and games was not shorted this week they're often shorted so okay. anyway next on your stack the next on my stack is another number one but this is a number one in the series this is star wars <laughs> dj most Wanted. you know what i didn't see that cover left oh, really? so i totally was like Who's i saw both DJ? covers and this is the one i had to have well and now realizing it's an acker and blacker yeah Okay. So Acker and Blacker of uh, of Thrilling uh, Adventure Thrilling Hour, Adventure Hour uh, writing about the uh, con man who does not have a heart of gold. <laughs> Benicio Del Toro's character. Yeah. I, 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 and, you know, a lot of people didn't like him because, you know, he betrayed, you know, betrayed him. But I'm going, you know, you can only have, if every rogue has the heart of gold, then it, then it kind of destroys the whole rogue, uh, you know, character. So... This, he he was likable enough for me in in uh, in Last Jedi, um, and in this we we've got uh, it's 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 I, a it's a Star Wars light story. It's worth it. It's a one issue. I'm sure. I'm pretty I, sure I it's will a have one to go. Shot. I'll have to go back and pick yeah. that up because I, I just didn't key in. I was like rushing through last night. Yeah, but you want the one with with him sitting on with, a bench behind bars because that's, that's a good good. Uh, it's, a, it's a very good likeness of him too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I I you know yeah. What you know, he's a throwback to uh, to the forties characters. I mean, that's what yeah, he yeah. was to me. Was like his character was absolutely like right straight out of Casablanca. Not specifically, not, not the not the Home- Bogart, but more no, 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 more no. But there were characters of, around, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. out of early noirs. They're putting it together. Yeah. So uh, let me just make sure: is this on yours? No, it's not. Okay, I, so, I did look at it. I didn't buy it. So I'm going to talk about this. Is the Somewhat frustrating. <laughs> I liked this, but I'm going to say somewhat frustrating. People understand. This is the first issue or part one of the DC's young animal crossover, Milk Wars, Justice League and the Doom Patrol. 
uh, Justice League of America, rather, and, because it has to be specific. Yes, it is. Uh, and and with Milk Wars, the reason I'm frustrated with it is we're still going through metal. Right. And I think you could have delayed this just a little bit so I didn't feel like there was – although I enjoyed this more for being warped and twisted. First of all, biggest surprise, uh, page two, the secret villain is Lord Manga Khan – from my favorite run of Justice League ever, Justice League International, Keith Giffen, uh, uh-huh. J.M. DeMatteis, and, and it's obviously a Giffen creation. <laughs> yes, yes, manga con. Where uh, I know I've got to. Th- this really goes back to the whole to Gerard Way, as if we needed to know, as if we didn't know, knows the history of DC Comics. Yeah. So the Justice League of America has been sort of kidnapped and warped back into Happy Harbor in Rhode Island, as a town. That has a lot of deep DC history. That's where the cave was when they had their headquarters. Uh, Teen Titans found, uh, formed in Happy Harbor, and so I got to remember the name of the of the secret group behind this whole thing. Uh, Retcon, R E T C O N N. Wow. So the company Retcon is has taken the Justice League and they're trying to they're warping reality. The Doom Patrol. Now I haven't been caught up on Doom Patrol because it's been yeah. a kind of delayed book, but. They're aware because they're a group that's free to kind of be aware of their place in reality or, or or unreality, right? Where the Justice League isn't, so the Justice League's been pulled in by retcon into sort of into really this kind of fifties sitcom version of themselves, and the Doom Patrol is trying to break them out of it. Superman, the ideal of Superman, has been warped into milkman uh-huh. who is somewhat psychotic as well and so they're trying to break like super it's not actually superman it's the idea very clever high concept high concept that you know i was no surprise that gerard way has been somewhat mentored by grant morrison this was a crossover that's you know this is a an event that's actually i feel like giving me something i haven't really seen and with characters that I find really cool. It's a Grant Morrison book without being Grant Morrison. So I'm going to recommend this as well. Next up on your stack? Next up on my stack. Yeah, let's see, which one? I am I just did that one, so I'm going to do this one. So next up on my stack is Old Man Logan, number 34, which is uh, the starting of Moon Over Madripoor, number one. And... um. I'm not sure how much longer Old Man Logan is for the Marvel Universe as far as when they eventually bring Young Man Logan back. Will we have Young Man Logan teaming up with Old Man Logan? Or will Old Man Logan finally find his place in the multiverse time stream? Uh, Because the thing I've liked about this book is it's he's still a little unstuck in time at times he certainly is from a mental capa- mental state he's always recall- recalling things that happened to him when he was in the mm-hmm. uh the original old man logan after the giant disaster that killed he where he killed all right. of the other avengers and x-men and everybody um the last couple issues of this have taken Logan to the place I think I've most enjoyed him, and that is uh, Japan and now Madripoor, which I 
just something about Logan and samurais and the hand and he's just it just feels like he really can unload there in the way he can't in like New York or Florida well or and there's something else. about his personality that is there's the, there's the, the honor there's the noble Logan comes out when he's speaking in when he's speaking in the bracketed Japanese um, where there's still a lot of American slang that apparently translates perfectly to Japanese um I who am I to judge? I'm 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 sure that, I'm sure it's entirely accurate. Um, but the we had we just came out of a sequence um, in issues prior to this of Silver Samurai and the rebirth of Mariko th- through the hands mm-hmm. uh, methods of right a resurrection you know, resurrecting, um, and then she was brainwashed and now she's broken the brainwash and so it's it's Logan and Mariko teamed up to deal with the ramifications of what happened in the last sequence but this looks like an okay place to jump on and you know it's kind of one of those things where you know, jump on before it's gone um this is this is old man logan has some things going for it because he's not you know or pick up the trade yeah, I, I don't know. yeah. well pick up the trade is always a always an option for anything we do yeah but, but i'm saying you know the way that in particular marvel but dc is doing the same thing yeah. is their sequence so that they the, can be and ca- series like this are designed to go right to, to go trade. to trade yeah. and that's why i say that's why I, they got rid of splash pages and, and that's why i say that like this zoom and ink is like this is where it's going yeah because i'm at the point now i would rather have a trade although there's a difference between doing a graphic novel and doing a six issue arc for a trade and i think Let's just get rid of the subterfuge and let's just write for that story together. So, like here, my my pick, uh, my last in the bag, actually came through the Magic Mailbox, but actually through a Kickstarter. And I'd recommended the first volume of this last summer, because I picked, or two summers ago, because I picked it up at Comic-Con. Case File Arkham. So the second one just came out from Zero One Publishing. I'm not sure if you can get it through Diamond. But I'm going to recommend this because it's a quirky, interestingly done book that already is better written. I just want to, before I hand over, by Josh Finney and Patrick McAvoy. Second volume is called Her Blood Runs Cold. And it combines film noir storytelling with uh, with Lovecraft. So this is, and I loved that, I don't know if you would get it in the, if you bought it the book elsewhere, but because I got a Kickstarter, I got a business card for the private investigator that <laughs> was in there. So I was like, I was flipping through the pages, and now it's it's my bookmark uh, is something I find like on the page where he's actually introduced in the story. That oh, there's an actual business card right there for the detective. Oh, nice. And and I was worried from the way that it began that it was like oh, maybe maybe they're not connected because I read it a year ago. But I just got this in. It is uh, set in like 1946, and Dagon is involved. Dagon, and which I think which was is in, an H. H. P. Lovecraft, a, uh, which was involved in character. in the first one as well. But it's just a fun, well done kind of you know storytelling. And I, I'd say this one is better than the first one. They they got better. They you know the first one was fun and good. And this is just better done. It's it's, just... it's black and white, and the the art reminds me of Galassi with a touch of Marshall Rogers. 
it's, I think that's a fair comparison. And I it's, think I'm, I'm, usually when I pick this kind of stuff up from a publisher I've never heard of before, I'm expecting that the art inside is not going to be as good as the cover. I think the art inside is better than that cover. Uh, I would agree with that. I yeah. think Patrick McAvoy is really, really good. We, I We interviewed them for the podcast, or I interviewed them and put them in the podcast right. last year. I I like it as well that that you know they basically cast Hank Flynn as their PI. Uh, it's Robert Mitchum. Yeah, and you know I, I I've talked about this before. It would it, I, I wish that those kinds of films had better cachet at the time. Like it would have been interesting. No way would Hollywood have put out such a film, but it would have been interesting to see like. Mitchum playing in a supernatural film. I, I think just, he did at the I was end just of his reading career. a book where the main character kept on getting advice from Robert Mitchum and somebody else in sequences. Uh, I wish I, I could remember what it was. Now it was really kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, but it's like I, how I, I wrote for Christopher Garcia's zine about wouldn't have been interesting if Gregory Peck who had gotten to play Superman because clearly Atticus Finch is Clark is everything you want Clark and, Kent Clark and Superman Kent, yeah, yeah. to be. So, you know, anyway, that's, that's my record. I discovered these guys at Comic-Con two summers ago when they offered the Kickstarter for the second one. I enjoyed the first one so much. I, I backed it and I am so pleased to say that it, it that it's even better. So, and and you're right. Better art. you want to write this down so you can yeah, get a I, I copy. Need, no, I need I need all your books so I can write them down. And so I can put it. <laughs> all right, all right. What uh, there we go. These there we are go. what Thanks. I had. So let's get into movies, which is just uh, I'm going to touch briefly because we talked about the Super Bowl trailers and that's really all the big news. But of course, we're only a couple of weeks away from Black Panther opening. And last week, again, hey fandom, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, you just heard the the bio come up. The DC fans are threatening to game Rotten Tomatoes because they don't want Black Panther to get good reviews. Uh, like, guys, this is not a competition. No, but this is the way the internet works nowadays. And it it just well i i I don't like the aggregate scoring of Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's great that you can have a clearinghouse for reviews. I am a fan of that, but I, I don't think that a percentage of fan or, or of of viewers liking it versus a percentage of critics liking something matters at all. It's do you see want to see this movie? Did you see it? Did you like it? So if a review helps you, great, but I don't want to say, oh, good, 98% of people like this. That said... They had the the world premiere of Black Panther last week, and people are falling all over themselves with how good they believe it to be. I am not, I am not surprised, and that's that's at this point all you can really say. But people, it is not DC versus Marvel. It is, I don't. I guess let me say that I don't get it. I never did. I liked Spider-Man. I liked Superman. I would be, I was equally thrilled to see both of them get film adaptations, you know? Yeah. So I like my characters. When you say, do you like DC better than Marvel? Okay. If I'm pushed to the limit, I know more about DC because I bought a lot more DC when I was a kid. 
But I, w- I was interested by Marvel, and now as an adult, it's like, yeah, I want them both to be good. I don't want one to be better than the other. I just want them both. It's the team mentality, you know, it's uh, like, which my I guess, team's got to win. I don't get yeah, it. I no. just, I'm sorry. Uh, it's funny to say that on Super this like it's the anti-Super Bowl uh, sentiment. Yeah. But I had no dog in that hunt. It was a thrill. Well, ex- there is one kind of logical way to think about it from a very self- uh, Oh, please. No, it's it's the idea that um, I want my books to continue. So if other books are more popular than my books, that takes money away from people who are buying my books, and my books might get canceled. That's you know, oh, so. yeah, I guess you know, yeah. and it goes back to because this is actually a movie, sort of movie and comics thing, is that uh, Valiant got sold last week, oh. or rather, a minority investor from uh, that is Chinese owned. That's just. That's just fact, you know. It's, uh, that's where the money came from. Bought out the whole thing, and it's funny that you say that about the comics because I, because one of the high up execs of Valiant, well, the sale was allegedly so that they can start really pushing the movies and and uh. accelerating those. So I thought, oh, I'm surprised that it wasn't Sony. The rumor first, like, ooh, somebody's bought them. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, that makes sense. They've got a five picture deal with Sony, right? It, but it turned out to be this other company that already had a stake. But their vice president, Peter Caneo, is the one that actually told me that when I was writing Tony Loco way back when for Elusive Arts, that doesn't exist anymore either, but it's more sort of into Elusive Comics and Games, so I'm I'm okay with that. But uh, he had given me that advice. He said, like, look, if you're going to put a new book out, I will, and I'm giving him all due credit because it's advice I never forgot. If you're going to put a new book out, you're never going to get someone you're not competing for their comics budget. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get someone to not buy Wolverine so that they can buy your book. Right. They're going to keep buying Wolverine. You're competing for the salty snacks money, which was funny. I just never heard it phrased that way. So I was like, oh, that's funny. It goes like somebody's going to forego their bag of chips Yeah. this week to give your book a chance. And now you've got to convince them monthly they're going to give up that bag of chips. And so I get what you're saying, and that's, and that's why you know it's not. I, I'm I we say this for a long time, but I, I think about that. It's just not sustainable. At, even at two ninety nine, I look at my budget and the comics I buy each week, and I go, I have got to cut back, and it's just too expensive. And now I'm, I'm lucky. I'm blessed to be in a position where it doesn't hurt my budget that much. Right. And I'm still obsessed, and I'm looking at it, going, how much many of these don't I read anymore? Or am I so behind on that I'm going to pick it up on Marvel Comics Unlimited? And and my son has been busy too. So like right now, I think we're pretty much down to he's catching up on a few things. Metal has got his attention. Uh-huh. And I think he started Milk Wars today. And went, That's interesting. He's reading Doomsday Clock. So I explained third right. issue why, like what was happening in Doomsday Clock and as far as how it tied back to Watchmen because I haven't, let him read Watchmen yet. Right. But now it's not just salty snacks anymore. The reality is with a lot of readers and my son's a huge reader, but there's just a lot of stuff pulling for kids attention. That wasn't when we were right. When we were coming, how many video games does he have that he doesn't play right now? I mean, well, he's played them all through unlike his father. And you can buy, you can buy a lot of decent games on steam for what it costs to buy a comic. And he's into, and he's into steam. Uh, he's got Steam, but he's also, you know, he's doing a lot of PlayStation 4, and yeah. I think I think he still 
I, he didn't get a switch, but he he's still playing on his Wii U, and uh-huh. yeah, and then on his de- device, you know, got him a phone. He's playing silly little games. I, not to belittle them, they are silly, and he knows it, you know. But yeah. but they're good distractions. And then the fact that on that same device he can watch Netflix now, and he can watch Crunchyroll, and sure. he's going through. There's a lot pulling in that there just wasn't before. Yeah. And again, if you have any recommendations for how to <laughs> what the methadone is for the internet for me, because I'm not reading as much as I want to, uh, as I mean to. Although I should say I was very proud last week to to say to have a confession, and I confess to Steve Mix, I finally read Goodbye from the Edge of Never. Ah, the good. first of his of his zombie novels, the Zombie Liberation Army. I think is what right. he's calling the, the series. Second now. one's coming out. And it came so, out. Yeah, did it come out? Yeah, I haven't got. So I haven't been to a convention with him to buy it from him and get him to sign no, it. No, no, no. I understand. I'm probably going to do that at. Baycon. I have two signed copies of. Yes, Goodbye from I'm going to do that at. at Bay- but I was glad to read it, and I said, and I, I I told him I said, I just messaged him and said, guess what? I just finished. I have promised for so long that I would read it, and I finally did, and it was fun. I really enjoyed it, and it was not what I expected at all. So there's another one. Put that Amazon link down here. Uh, you can order through Amazon. Goodbye from the Edge of Never by Steve Mix. Let's get to TV because it's a book thing. American Gods finally, finally, finally announced an actual new showrunner, Jesse Alexander, who had worked with Brian Fuller on shows like Hannibal and Pushing Daisies. So... I am pleased that finally there's a showrunner who's going to work with Neil Gaiman, but now more information has come out, and this is weird to me. So, ready. Uh-huh. Okay. First of all, it's taken so long, we're probably not going to see a new season of this American year. Gods until 2019, maybe even 2020. Whew. One of the things that seems to be coming out is Neil Gaiman was not as happy. Uh, as we thought with where the first season went because so much material was not his. So they may ignore the cliffhanger of season one. The deforestation that Easter yes, to affects give, to give Because Easter's not as potentially not going to be back. <laughs> well, but regardless, Easter wasn't that import, important in the novel. Right. And so... Neil Gaiman wants it back on track. Now, Stars is trying to play it that, oh, Brian Fuller, and I can't, I'm sorry, I cannot remember the other producer's name, that they they didn't quit. They're still involved, but, it, you know, it's an executive producer thing where they're just going to be, yeah. they're going to get credit, get money, and they're not going to have to do anything. But they're also saying, again, these guys blew so much money on the, the budget. I mean, God, that show was lush. Yeah. Love it or hate it. That was an amazingly lush show. And so there's a, we'll get a shorter episode order because the budget's been set, but you've already set like how the, a certain look has to be maintained. Right. So we may get fewer episodes in the second season. And Derek will offer his opinion. Is at certain certain point? No, you know, I, I no. I'm all for artistic integrity. I really am, obviously, and I want to see visions come come true. But when you're playing with a network's money, and these are ever diminishing returns. You have an obligation to try to deliver the best at a reasonable cost yeah. because it's not your money. Yeah. And at the at the at the end, you know, stars has to to make it worthwhile. Stars has to be able to make some kind of profit. So spending millions of dollars per episode, I really don't know. 
uh, how much it was costing. But if if it was too much, as much as you might say, yeah, they're great. I just don't think well, stars. I was really surprised to all the stuff that they dropped. Yeah, and the time sequencing of some of the stuff, and and also the the looking backwards in time stuff that wasn't part of his well neil gaiman claimed it was actually in like they were dropped things that he had had cut from the novel but and if that's true that's fine but i but my expectation when i originally heard this was they're going to finish it in 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 a season of episodes which i think is is actually pretty gracious for media because you don't do that kind of you don't do that story in one movie you know it's not like two and a half hours big movie you'd be you'd still be cutting out a whole lot of stuff but they had what nine episodes was i think it was and they and they meandered and they added and it was fleshed out and i i get it like so from star's point of view it's like from hbo because i was just reading something about hey remember when the when everybody thought the greatest television show that would ever be was the sopranos and real and i just saw this thing where you know game of true blood got better ratings more people watched True Blood than watched The Sopranos. Uh-huh. And even more people are watching Game of Game Thrones. Of Thrones. Yeah. So I get it. These these pay networks or whatever, premium networks, are looking for that thing that will come back year after that year. That will continue to suck audience yeah, in. So, and absolutely. And I had high hopes. I was yeah. like, well, like you, I was like, what? You know, it could be done in a season. But it's it's a novel I love, so I yeah. was very I'm fine with that. It's one I it's on my stack again to reread, and so I guess I can see it both ways. On the other hand, I don't want to play it out too much. Like they just announced this week that or last week that a series of unfortunate events will be done after season three, and because as Neil Patrick Harris pointed out, it's like we're getting through like four books per season. We'll do five in the last, and you don't want to pad it out. These are beloved books. Nobody wants to see you. They've made some changes, but it's like three seasons and out, and you're done. But for Netflix, which has a slightly different model, I guess that makes sense. you know. And But I'm also glad, like, yeah, once you're done adapting the novels, be done. And that's okay. I, I don't need to see more. That's funny because my son has now actually started reading a, a series of unfortunate events. I did catch up. And are you caught up on Black Lightning? I think I'm one episode behind. I know I've watched the first two. Okay, so I've watched the first three, and that's all that there's been so far. But feeling like the every episode makes me feel like we are watching something really groundbreaking in superhero television, in television in general. This is going to be looked back upon as this huge turning point. Now it's interesting. Stu, I'm I'm reading online from my fr- friends that are creators of color that there is a huge surprise, surprise with the double whammy of Black Panther and Black Lightning. Uh-huh. There's a huge run right now from studios looking for to more see black characters. what are black characters. So the graphic, uh, the six issue miniseries uh, Black uh-huh. that I recommended a few weeks ago, uh, and the next installment black af uh came out this this past week in in shops but that got a movie deal yeah it was announced two weeks ago i think three weeks ago maybe and so i'm looking going well yeah duh first of all let's just lay it out they're great comics period yes they have a slightly different 
point of view. But what I was, what I'm really fascinated by with Back to Black Lightning is we're almost watching an actually more logical version of The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Because of I the implication that. that we're seeing a character who retired right. for good reason. Right. Made promises. And made promises and then is coming back and realizing he has to come back. But we're also watching like all, oh my gosh, there is a moment, and I can't remember if it was the second or third, so I'm hoping that I'm not spoiling it for you. Okay. And it's just a little minor thing. Yeah. But I thought, holy crap, this is ground, because I thought nowhere else in the show, in the series, in the, in the other CW, Arrowverse stuff, whatever. Right. Uh, he actually, Jefferson Pierce says, Lynn, you told me when I, when my powers manifested, these were a blessing. This was a gift from God. And suddenly, boom, this is an overtly Christian character on television. And that ties in because the black community in Freeland has a minister. They, yeah. t- they deal with that. And they even confront this like, oh, the police aren't protecting. And then there's an argument between Henderson and the minister about you're up there with your expensive watch and you're this. You want to talk about serving your community? And like these arguments are playing out in the backdrop disguised as a superhero show. And Jefferson Pierce as a father trying to just do the right thing. And as a teacher, you know, look, no student I ever had was in the situation of like the the 100 were not threatening right but but i get his whole thing of look i'm trying to do better by inspiring kids to go on and and right. still keeping tabs on who how they're doing and, and feeling heartbroken when he'd lost track of them or when one's lost again i don't think i ever lost a student like in that way but it's just like you're getting into an honest teacher's point of view educator's yeah. point of view yeah. and a father's point of view and then you've got Gamby, just like what the heck is Paul Gamby doing? <laughs> and because he's got this thing, and and there's that struggle, and there's a confrontation between Lynn and Gamby. A great scene because again, James Remar is just one of my has been one of my favorite character actors since the eighties. It's just three episodes in, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is suddenly one of my favorite shows. And when I, and you talked about this after the pilot, where you said the thing about. Like, wouldn't you protect your face? It's not a good, you know. Yeah. But that there was a line that his, the younger daughter says that it was like, <coughs> oh, she doesn't know. And the reason she doesn't know, they actually explained, we don't have to see it because it's too expensive, but that you can't actually look him in the face. There's a glow that uh, okay. actually blocks your view. So it's like the flash. And, yeah. Except that they say it, so they don't have to show it the way that the flash irritates me when they forget when they, when to they do the effect. Do yeah, yeah, yeah. How many times after they, you know, oh, no. look, if you're going to do the vocal change, yeah. do the vocal change and commit to it. But how many times does the Flash just talk normally? Well, the one time that I remember that he did it was when Kid Flash came in as the Flash and he was blurring his face. Yeah. You can tell he wasn't the Flash. Yeah. So the, uh, the other thing about Black Lightning that I liked about it is there's a joy to it. I mean, even even when he walks down the street or he comes in through a door and there's somebody standing there going, Black Lightning, good to see you on the street. Well, there you don't it is. get that in anything else. There's, yeah, I'm not never, sure. You I'm never not even see that share. in Arrow. I'm not going to call it a joy because this yeah. is a show about a, a community in crisis. But a there's positivity. a pride. There's a positivity and a pride. And, okay. and, and in the third episode, I, it's... They do sort of tie it in in a weird way to how it fits in the other shows. Right. But even in The Flash, which is probably the lightest 
happiest of all the superhero stuff on TV. Um, you know, he doesn't interact with people on the street. I mean, no, he does when he's drunk. He's saying, I'm the flash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a great episode. Um, but yeah. So, um, I'm, I've, I've been enjoying it. Just There's a positivity yeah. and a pride and, and, yeah. and, and I, and I just, I don't know. I always feel like, Oh, here I am being the, the, the middle-aged white liberal again, but I'm, I'm just sitting there going, this is talking about important stuff. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love the flash, even when it's being stupid, and Lord, is it getting stupid sometimes? Um, I love it, and I will. Legends of Tomorrow, same thing. Right? Is <coughs> they're just good versus evil. These are stories that are fun. Mm-hmm. Black Lightning is this feels real. The difference is the principle happens to be able to shoot electricity and control it. You know, no yeah. explanation. And the other thing I love is. There's no explanation. Right. How did he get those powers? He just has them. And he's able to use electricity to move things around, people around without electrocuting them, too. So it's, there's something – there's there's some complexity to that, that lightning. Well, because that, there's a whole story about how, you know, clearly how he mastered all those. But that's why I say it's like The Dark Knight Returns is, no, we don't need that in right. this day and age. It just We does. accept. We don't need an origin. We accept that he has those powers and he's coming back from retirement. This is a story – I don't think Marvel's done yet. Maybe Captain Marvel will do something like this. We just haven't seen that. Yeah. Uh, other than parodies, like, you know, the return of Captain Invincible or, you know, even uh, the beloved, the specials. You know, the, those are, seeing those people in mid-career, we've seen everything else be. Jessica as, Jones is. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Uh, but, yeah. She's I, coming back from a broken prior history yes yeah but i still think this is yeah. you know although i thought it was very funny on the flash last week they actually kind of trumped no pun intended at all but almost everything that made the ant-man versus uh, ant-man versus ant-man and the wasp trailer that uh-huh. dropped last week look cool we've got to say that but yeah that was cool almost all the tricks that they did in that the, in the trailer that are like oh that's kind of a cool thing we've never seen before dwarf star does in the okay. flash episode and like Derek, Derek, we didn't talk about how you pretty much just, you know, stole the thunder. Although, I'll be fair, Ant-Man and the Wasp has probably better special effects for it. But anyway, uh, so Netflix on Super Bowl, where you did mention they've dropped Cloverfield Paradox. So that's suddenly there's a Cloverfield movie on Netflix that launched tonight. So uh, we haven't had a chance to watch it. No. I don't, know if I don't know if I'll get to this week. Because uh, I liked 10 Cloverfield line, Lane. I didn't like Cloverfield. I liked it a lot. I, I, thought, I thought that was a really good movie. I liked it so much better than Cloverfield. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But what I understand is they're taking ideas and they realize they can slap the name Cloverfield on it. And I think they're slowly building a continuity. But I don't think – if you saw 10 Cloverfield Lane, you didn't need to know anything about no, Cloverfield nothing. and there's no overt right, right, right. connection other than if you saw Cloverfield you're going oh that monster was part of an alien invasion right perhaps right. I don't know so we'll see how that goes I did speaking of monsters uh watched uh Netflix released what they're calling Godzilla anime uh, it's part one and uh Planet of the Monsters oh that's right yeah so I had to research because my son and I watched it last night because he's become a, becoming a Godzilla fan. 
And I do, speaking of stars, stars has uh, four or five Godzilla movies on demand right now. Is Shin Godzilla available anywhere? I haven't seen it oh. available yet. I, I'm surprised that is not yeah. on. But the Netflix deal is, you know, they made it seem like, uh, you know, it's the Godzilla anime. Well, it's actually a film that was released in Japan. Wow. So there, it says part one. And I was like, oh, there'll be more episodes. No, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a trilogy. So we will probably see part two in the summer. I wasn't super compelled by the characters. I liked the the style of animation in it, uh-huh. and the monster, the Godzilla creature, is uh, pretty scary. It's set like ten thousand years in the future, really, and it's because we've been escaped Earth and have to come back and see if it's habitable after Godzilla kind of drove all of humanity uh, away. Okay, it's that's the planet of the yeah. Monsters. It's an interesting idea that didn't. That they, I think they're planning on developing further in the trilogy, and look for that, you know, rant from me. So I did the trilogy destroy filmmaking forever. It's like, can't you just tell me you make a movie right. that come, you know, what if that hadn't worked, and it ends on a cliffhanger? Like, what if it hadn't worked, and then we'll never know, and I won't care. But it, it, it's. I'm tired of it's happened. I'm tired of things being. It has. Uh, it was like my son and I were talking about a series of unfortunate events. I said the first time they made it, he goes, "Well, I know how the series ends." And I said, I, "I don't know that you do. I don't think I read the last book myself." But I'm like, they had to make up an ending because they weren't weren't sure they were going to get to make the trilogy they planned. Yeah. And guess what? They didn't. And the same thing happened with Percy Jackson and Lightning Thief. My kids were both so angry about how much they spilled, how much information was given. That was from later books. Is it because they're, you're stuck, like not being sure you get to tell right, the whole story? Right. And so, yeah, I, I Godzilla took the risk. I think it was it, it was worthwhile. I think it's going to be okay. The other thing that we we watched that now comes out on Blu-ray Tuesday, I think, is Gotham by Gaslight, which adapts. I had not realized that it was going to adapt both. Gotham oh. by Gaslight and Master of the Future. It t- takes elements. Okay. So it's its own thing. And it changes the identity of the Ripper. So okay. that it truly is a mystery, which was kind of cool because then Luke and I, he was like, who do you think it is? And I said, well, I read it way back when. Right. And I think it was this character. And then it wasn't. And then he had his guess and went, you know, that's a good guess. Uh, you know, so it, it was just kind of like it. It was really well done. My only regret in showing it was we did not realize until he was looking at the back of comics today. And he went, you know, that was rated R, Dad. And I went, what? Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But uh, Bruce Greenwood uh, voices Bruce, the, the 19th century uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman. And it's one of those things where I actually I like when, that an actor like him gets to do it. He's clearly older than the character, but that's the beauty of, of animation yeah. Yeah. is he can play a younger character. I It was really well done. They kind of, and No spoiler, you can – which I think it was sort of in the Master of the Future is that there's a Gotham World's Fair. I don't remember it from, the, from Gotham by Gaslight. I think it was in Ma- the sequel. Okay. But then in the little documentary about – how they went about it. It's like, it really is tying in the ideas of what have become more prevalent in popular culture is, is a great book called the devil in the white city that Tom Cruise is supposed to uh, be in. 
about H.H. H. Holmes in the Chicago World's Fair. At the same time, with all these great developments, there was an actual serial killer in Chicago who had built a murder castle. And uh, American Horror Story oh, yeah. Hotel yeah, yeah. basically pulled some of that. And so they pulled that in. So it has really become its own thing. So if you think you know Gotham by Gaslight, there's a lot that's familiar and there's a lot that is not at all. And I think the additions are cool. Their defense was, well, the original graphic novel really isn't long enough for a 70-minute film. And I think, okay, you know, the way these these cartoons work, uh, these animated films work, they, you probably wouldn't have gotten a separate Master of the Future anyway. It's good to have. And I kind, now I'm kind of, on this one I'm on the side of, I'm glad you took the ideas and gave us something different. Yeah. Uh, it, the still, it is still basically Batman versus Jack the Ripper, which is, and that's how I, what I told my son, I like, I pulled it out and went, this is Batman versus Jack the Ripper. Do you want to watch it? Yes. Like we were going to go to a movie and he said, nope, we're staying home. We're going to watch this. So, you know, it, it was good. It was fun. It was well acted. Uh, and yeah. It is was the a, Batman Samurai movie out yet? No. It was funny because my son was saying, you know, there's an anime Batman coming. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that's, I think that's two away. The next one is a Suicide Squad that's like a 70s grindhouse. I'm going to bet you that one's going to be R. Yeah. And the only way that I'm going to love that movie, and I will love it, is, you know, they had like a, a, a stink peek. If they make it like they did it like Grindhouse in the trailer, like showing things with little pops and right, and cigarette right. burns. And I thought, if that's what they do for the entire – because they did that with the Spectre short. With the scratch marks? With the scratch marks. Yeah, yeah. They, because it was supposed to be a 70s, you know. And, and like if you if they did the whole – 70 minutes of the Suicide Squad that way. Yeah. I With the little editing splice pops and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I, a really good casting. Uh, Christian Slater is Deadshot. And yeah, I can see that. I, I thought that's that's a really cool casting. And so we shall see. Yeah. But I, I'm just going to put it out there. You know, Gotham by Gaslight is going to be a fun, fun one. Pick that up. And that's all I want to talk about tonight. Because I, I got to sleep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Super Bowl took it all out of me. Oh, it was so exciting. Fast forwarding through all that, fo- all that football. Uh, I came in at the end with you. Well, and, we watched the end. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. anyway, hey, thanks so much for listening this week. Uh, don't forget that Sunday, February 11th at 3 p.m., we are going to do episode 500 live. Live. You, uh, They're all welcome. Uh, at Seven Stars Bar and Grill. We will be hooked up with the sound system, and we are the thing happening. And uh, there will be... Uh, it's on Bascom Avenue in San Jose, and I don't know the street number. We always forget the street number. I'm so sorry. But you can find it on Fanboy Planet. Go to the website, and there's an ad for Seven Stars, and it'll take you right to all their info. And there, uh, again, if they took me seriously... Uh, Paul and Maria Acuna will have developed a, a Fanboy Planet menu, so a uh, drink menu. So uh, come on by. 398 South Bascom Avenue, San Jose, California. Thank you for doing the right thing there. So uh, we believe there will be a Nate Smash, a a Zorlac, and, uh, and a Moral Compass. You can order any of those three cocktails. They're especially designed for the Fanboy Planet 500th episode. And we look forward to seeing people there. 
we may have guests. We may just have people that we've talked to many times before, which is still exciting because, hey, it's 500. We'll, and we just want to have kind of a little impromptu party. It's a, party. It's yeah. a little impromptu party. And talking you're invited. About, talking about nerdy stuff. So if you're in San Jose or if you're outside of San Jose and want to come, hey, you know, it's a great place to hang out. Yes. So – uh, there you go. Thank you. If you have any questions, compl- comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can, of course, donate on PayPal. You can also, please, you know, if you want to pick up something that we talked about that wasn't at your local brick and mortar, you know, you can pick it up at Amazon. And is there anything else that I legally am bound to say? No, we're, uh, no. no, no, we're, uh, we're sponsored tonight by Adelita's, uh, lovely, uh, <laughs> little restaurant around the corner. I'm going high on that fish taco. And so thank you so much. I hope we'll see some of you next week at Seven Stars Bar and Grill. I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.